Warm welcome to you. Second Sunday this new year. And uh, life is uncertain. We often think about that at sort of times like the, the new year. You made it through 2016. You're now here for 2017. So um, there's a graphic I had here. Life is uncertain. <coughs> Eat dessert first. <laughs> if you have a sweet tooth. I, I can't get with that myself. I feel I need to eat my, my savouries first and then reward myself with the sweet afterwards. And uh, I came across this um, text. Can you go to the next slide? I've ob observed something else. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. Now, does anybody know? It's from a famous book. Does anybody know what book that's from? Ecclesiastes, yes, it's from the Bible in uh, the New Living Translation. It isn't what the Bible teaches, but the Bible knows that this, this was written by King Solomon. So we're talking something like a thousand years, but 3,000 years ago. And, and we think what we think today is really modern and up to date. But actually, it's been the same. And people have been struggling with things, um, these issues uh, throughout time. And I was watching a bit of Lion King last night, and I thought, you know, we could be a bit like Simba. We've, we've got this dad, I'm sorry this is a spoiler alert if you've not seen Lion King, it's a pretty old film, so I'm really playing catch up here, aren't I? And I've only watched half of it as it is. So, um, but you know, Simba, his dad is wonderful, Mustafa, he's going to always look after him, and then his dad dies. And it's, human beings can feel a bit like that, we can feel there's God, there's someone in heaven who will always look after us, and then life seems difficult, and we think, oh, maybe, maybe God's dead now then. And, uh, and that's all there is. We live in dangerous times internationally. The Middle East seems to be involved in what might be turning into a hundred years of wars of various kinds. The, uh, South America is South America. Meanwhile, Russia's reasserting itself. China's reasserting itself. America is reasserting itself. Um, and Europe is divided and confused and something. And uh, your personal circumstances may be the same, quite divided, quite confused. Are we just defenseless? Are we without tools, without weapons in this terrible situation? Well, God wants to give us tools. He wants to give us weapons. He wants to give you tools and weapons today so that you can thrive, so that you can overcome in the challenges of life. So we're going to read a passage in the Old Testament prophet of Isaiah, chapter 41 in a moment, and uh, from uh, verse 8 to 20. But I just want to set the scene a little bit. This is about... 700 BC, 700 years before Christ, there's a king called Hezekiah in the kingdom of Judah, and a little kingdom of Judah, there's a map actually, if I could have the map up, little kingdom of Judah's about here, there's this big empire called Assyria up there, and there's the big Egyptian empire down here, so you're a little tiny country between two big bullying countries, and... Um, and the prophet, it's the prophet Isaiah is talking to the people of Judah about, you know, get your lives in order because there's trouble coming, there's difficulties, international politics are playing out in your experience. 
And uh, does God have anything to say to this? Is God just a powerless bystander or does he have something to say to it? Well, he has something to say to it. He uh, tells them about how the other people in the beginning of chapter, he tells them how other people are resorting to idols, all kinds of things to help them make secure. They're drinking more, smoking pots, they're uh, becoming, turning to all kinds of extreme views or whatever, trying to make their lives uh, make sense or to feel secure in them. But, but you, he says, in verse 8 of chapter 41. So we have the text up, please, Adam. But, but you, Israel, my servant. <clears throat> there we go. You, Israel, my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen. You, descendants of Abraham, my friend. I took you from the ends of the earth, from its father's corners, from its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I've chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so we find this tremendously encouraging start. There's a group of people we find that are loved. Right, you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I love. There's a family of people. Israel is the tribe. Jacob was the man who fathered that tribe, and his grandfather was Abraham. And my friend, God says of Abraham, the one who loved me. There's, God loved them, and they loved him back. And there is something very particular about this. And you might be saying, well, it's 2017. What do I need to know about Abraham or Jacob or Israel? It all seems pretty odd to me. But, you know, the wonderful thing is that God's, we don't just announce to people, oh, God loves people. God loves particular people. And by telling us that he loved Abraham and Abraham loved him back, he's telling us something about how it's supposed to be that it's particular, that he wants you. He's calling us by name, whether you're called Charlotte or Andrew or whatever your name is, God wants to love you and to have you love him back. And so it's particular in that way. And uh, he, you, and we can all be part of this. Originally, it seemed like you maybe had to be born of the tribe of Abraham. But the New Testament tells us we can all be honorary members of this tribe. We can become children of Abraham. We can enter into this family that are blessed and uh, know the blessing of God and know the protection of God. And because he says, verse 9, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners, I called you. And of course, he'd gone into Egypt to rescue them, if you know the Old Testament story, to bring the people of Israel who were enslaved in Egypt out. But for us, he's gone all around the world. He's reached out to people from Japan and from Africa and from America and South America, people from Russia and Asia, all the different parts of the world, from Australia even. And he's gone there. And he's reached out and called people to himself from all these places. And God is still doing that. Our God is still doing that. So he's able to say then, um, right, I said to you, my servant, I said to you, you are my servant. Uh, you, I have chosen you and I've not rejected you. This is the, an opportunity we all have to respond to that gentle and wonderful call from heaven. Not to reject it, but to receive it because he's, he will not reject you. Everyone who comes to him, he will receive. He does not reject any who come to him. Jesus also reaffirmed this. There is nobody who turns to Christ who will be rejected. Nobody. No matter how foul you might think you are, no matter how big you might think you are, there is nobody that he will reject who truly comes to him. And so he says, verse 10, so do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Believe this, friends. Hear it. Believe it. God is giving you weapons, tools, even in these verses. This is like a toolbox for you for 2017. And there are many tools in the Bible. Here I'm giving you a few of them. Right? I will strengthen you and help you. Receive this. Yes. Okay, Father, I hear this. I hear you telling me this. I, I let you speak this to me in my situation right now. Whatever you, your situation might be, hear him saying this to you, that he will strengthen you and help you. He will uphold you with his righteous right hand. And so he goes on then in the next few verses to describe three scenarios where he helps. The, the situation, the challenge of those who oppose us, the challenge of who I am, and the challenge of what I lack. That's what we're going to look at section by section. And these are weapons. Now, I, I watched over the Christmas New Year, I watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy again with my family. And, uh, and I was struck by these weapons. Like uh, this, Do you remember, what's this called, this sword here? Sting, that's right, because this is uh, Frodo's sword that Bilbo passed to him. And what about this? Do you remember the name of that one? I had to look that one up. Andril, that's right. So it's a sword that um, this is Aragorn, and he's one of the kings of Gondor. If, again, this could be a spoiler alert, but the... the but these were special swords that could defeat things. And you know, you get special tools in your toolbox. If you want to do a certain thing on your car or in your kitchen, you need a certain tool that does that job. And scripture is filled with truth, certain tools and weapons that we can use. So the challenge of those who oppose us, we read this in verse 11 and 12 and 13. So we read that now. Thank you, Adam. All who rage against you, God says, will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. I mean, these are just incredibly good words, aren't they? And in fact, I find them difficult to believe. I have to be honest with you, these are words which in certain circumstances I read them and I am struggling to believe them but I want to believe them because I know that not to believe them is to be defenseless in this world because not believing them doesn't make the battle go away. Right? Not believing them does not make the battle go away. The enemies are still there so the only question is whether I have any weapons and here is a weapon that we are offered. See, all who rage against you, we may have various experiences. Those, those, the, verse 11, those who oppose you. It's literally the, the, the men of your lawsuit. Right? The men of your lawsuits. Some of you may be involved in a lawsuit. I am. And uh, I read it just on an email the other day from Open Doors, 6th of January, about the, a, a court hearing in which this pastor, there was a, an image of this pastor, a pastor in Sudan, Pastor Kwa Shamal, he was released from prison as a result of a court hearing, but three other Christians at the same hearing were still remanded in custody for further proceedings against them. They, they're being, we need to pray for these people and countless others, Christians, who are persecuted for their faith, and often it's the legal process that is used against them. Well, for this dear brother, this, this promise came to pass. Those, those who oppose him will be as nothing, right? The, 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 the lawsuit came to nothing for him, but three of his fellow brothers in Christ 
are still in prison and countless thousands of others around the world as well. But this is a promise upon which we rest ourselves. So we're attacked in other ways, aren't there? People slander us and don't care to find out the truth about us. And often the righteous do not gossip back about the real events of the story. It's those who are unrighteous who gossip about a false account of those events. And you suffer for it. I know that can happen. People suffer because of the false account given. But in righteousness, they don't go and seek to correct their reputation because they just keep silent and do not gossip. And so they suffer. And so we find these attacks against us. And, of course, sometimes we feel... To feel better about ourselves, we kind of feel we want to slander others. I saw this cartoon this week. Um, we are good and they are bad, always. There's this poster. And, and we live in a world that's becoming increasingly tribal and polarised. And we need to guard our hearts because this is not necessarily at all helpful. So scripture tells us to look up to our Father, not down at others. Right? We see here, right at the end of this, uh, if we go back to the passage itself, um, please, Adam, a couple of slides back. It says, the, the, the reason you can have this confidence is because I am the Lord, because the, 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 I am the Lord your God. So we're not in, looking down on others. We're looking up to our God. As a woman called uh, Glennon Melton did a TEDx talk, and uh, she said that being truly human is being brave enough to tell our own story and kind enough not to tell anyone else's. Right? Let's be brave enough to tell our own story and kind enough not to tell anyone else's. So events can seem to attack us. We started this coffee shop downstairs and Kavitha and I, in effect, are managing it at the moment. And it's like constant firefighting. You know, every morning, okay, so someone can't turn up to work one morning. So then you're trying to find someone to fill the gap on the rotor. Then the gas won't come on. So then I've got to try and sort the gas out. Then there's the keys can't be found. So then I've got to sort that out. It, almost daily, something like this happens. So the t they phone up, the till is jammed. We can't get into the till. It, it's a good thing I'm good at fixing things. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> and you, 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 events can sort of pile up, can't they? We can feel under the attack of events. And God says these rich, rich words to us, which he invites us to take as weapons. You know, all who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. It's not for us to do the disgracing. This is in the hand of God. Do you understand? We're, we're not told to go and, and whack these things. There may be sickness that you see, as it were, t attacking your family. All who rage against you, that sickness... That demonic oppression that you see, that those, those, those demons that are raging against you, they will be ashamed and disgraced. Right? The, those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, there will be a day that though we search for our enemies, you will not find them. Scripture tells us this. I invite you to put your hope here and to place it there. Um, you, and um, to, to trust in these things. Now you know that when um, Jesus was uh, being attacked, he said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You know, we, that's why I'm saying we, we let God sort out the enemies, but we need to forgive. You know, Philip Yancey, a famous writer, said, Not to forgive imprisons me in the past and locks out all potential for change. I thus yield control to another, my enemy, and doom myself to suffer the consequences of the wrong. 
I once heard an immigrant rabbi make an astonishing statement. I, I might have this on a slide, I can't remember, probably not. Um, before coming to America, this immigrant rabbi said, I had to forgive Adolf Hitler. I did not want to bring Hitler inside me to my new country. You know, when we don't forgive, we actually imprison ourselves to those things. The Russian author Dostoevsky wrote that to love a person means to see him as God intended him to be. Right? To love a person means to see him as God intended him to be. Forgiveness is incredibly freeing because it enables us, instead of being feeling the victim of that attack, that suddenly we can see it from God's perspective. Lewis Smedes, a Christian leader, says this, once, once upon a time you branded the enemy as a person powerful e in evil, but now you can see him as a person weak in his needs. There's something powerful about forgiveness. Anyway, that was that first one. The second section from verse 14, we can, if you can move through, that's brilliant. Thank you, Adam. Is the challenge of who I am. Do not be afraid, God speaks to them. Do not be afraid, you worm, Jacob. Little Israel, in the NIV, I know it's slightly different in some of the versions, but little Israel, do not fear. We, 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 we can speak to ourselves in such terms, can't we, that we're small we can think of ourselves, oh, we're a little beacon church, we're a little bit tired out and blunt and not up to much. Or we can be like this, or we can look at ourselves and feel, I'm not very good, I don't have very much to offer, I don't play guitar that well, or I, 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 all this kind of stuff. Do not, but God says, do not be afraid, you worm, Jacob. You may actually be like a worm. Compared to God, we are more or less like worms, aren't we? but he still knows us by name. He chooses to take us by name and to call us by name. And so it doesn't really matter whether or not you are a worm because it goes on, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer. I myself will help you. He tells you this. Believe, friends, even as we're just reading it, believe it. This is, today you need to mix with faith, right? Because the tool or the, the, the sword is no good to you if you uh, do not let faith come as you hear these words. For I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And then he goes on about what he will do. He says, see. Now just hear the creative word of God speaking to you. See, I will make you. I will make you into. God has a plan for us. He sees something in our lives. And even in the lives of your enemies, God sees something in your enemies that he wants to bring about. They may be far from the plan of God, but he has a heart and a plan and a vision for their lives, which he's inviting us to see as we forgive them. And in ourselves, he has a vision for you. What is it that he wants to make you into? Now, here we have a, a very agricultural picture, a threshing sledge. So I'd like to jump to some pictures just to make sense of it, okay? So when, uh, I think if, if we go forward, here we go. So this is um, a handful of kind of threshed, if you've ever seen, you, you, you must have been walked in the countries and seen an ear of wheat or barley or something like that. When they've harvested it um, and threshed it, this is what it looks like. You begin to separate out the grain from the kind of protective layers of, of vegetable leafy matter around the grain. So there's another slide. So what they would do, they'd have something like this, a threshing pit. They'd lay all the sheaves in there. Then the next slide, they'd drag a, a threshing sledge. Here's a threshing sledge. You maybe have a donkey. 
Uh, this is sort of planks, and they're quite heavy. And underneath this, you can't see, but next slide, you've driven into it lots of pieces of metal or stone or stuff like that. So, it's gr so they drag, the, the donkey drags this sort of sledge around on top of the, the grain, the sheaves of wheat or barley to, to break it all up. And then they do the winnowing which is when they, they just start, they use a pitchfork and they're throwing it up in the air and the grain is heavy so it tends to just drop down but the chaff can get blown away because you don't, the chaff's not palatable, you, you wouldn't want to eat it. I've, I've eaten that stuff in the field, you just pop it in and that chaff's not, it's not that nice just to eat the grains actually straight, it's much better if you, if you grind them up and mix them with a little salt, a, a little yeast and a little bit of water and put them in a reasonably warm place, and then they, they rise, and you have to knock it back, and then it rises again, and then you bake it, and then mm, it's very, very nice. But, but you can just eat the grain, but you, you never want to eat the chaff, right? That's, so you want it to blow away. Now, that's, if we go back to the passage, Adam, thank you, this will make more sense. He says, see, I'll make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp with many teeth. You saw how many teeth were in that threshing sledge? Many teeth, because it's going to work better if it's got many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chaff. In Isaiah, mountains and hills are often pictured as places that are obstructing the highway of God. Right? And it's our task to, to, to call out the highway of God, to bring the highway of God in the earth. And then verse 16, you will winnow them. So go you're going to thresh, then you do the winnowing. You're going to winnow them. You're going to throw all this stuff up, these mountains that have been pulverized. The wind will pick them up and the gale will blow them away. But you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. There are all these mountains obstructing the purpose and will of God in the earth. People, things that are set up against the will of God. And uh, we have a place we, we think, oh, I'm just a worm. What, you know, what can one person do? And God says, well, wait a minute. See, I will make you. And then you will. Did you hear that? You will thresh. You will winnow. You will rejoice. It's not just a command. It's actually, this is almost like a permission. It's more than a permission. It's a creative word. This is what you will do. It's a story told of a man who was released from prison. It was winter. He had nowhere to go. He found a church building. He went into the church building. And on one side of the front, there was five of the Ten Commandments. And on the other side, the other five of the Ten Commandments. And he read through them. And he'd committed many of the sins that were forbidden by the Ten Commandments. And he, he was just thinking, well, that's why I had no interest in church. And then as he sat there just trying to get warm... It was just right there in front of them. He read them again and the Holy Spirit used them. And suddenly he felt actually he was being set free from all these habits. God just broke into his life and he felt, no, this is saying you shall not st steal. I I'm never going to steal again. He just felt it was like a, a, it was creating that in him. Do you understand? You can hear them in two different ways. Either just thou shalt not or you shall not. Right? And here, it's, you can hear it, it as a kind of, oh, another thing for my to-do list. I've got to thresh, I've got to winnow, whatever that means. No, the God is saying, you will thresh, right? You're going to get an idea to help homeless people 
And it's just going to happen. Stuff's going to happen. People keep bringing stuff into Revive to donate, to be passed on, don't they? Just keep happening to just a helping hand. Stuff just happens. So the challenge of who we are. So let's not rely on our self-evaluation, be listening to ourselves. Just want to quote again the passage, the quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones that is on the slide. But he, 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 to introduce this quote, he says, take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. And he says, we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. I suggest that the main trouble in spiritual depression is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Well, this passage is stuff to tell yourself, right? That God, he said, I will help you. Time and again in this passage, if you've noticed, he says, don't fear, I will help you. He repeats it over and over. God doesn't repeat himself lightly. He wants you to be really certain. He says, I don't fear, I will help you. I will help you. God is saying, I will help you. Now, there are times in life when you're desperate for that help, and I know what that can be. But hold fast and trust God. There is, he is a very present help in trouble. So let's encourage one another as we do this. Now, the, um, <clears throat> so, I, so he says, I will make you, you will, you will, you will. So uh, Father has spoken to us, incidentally, about no longer being a wooden bridge, but like a superhighway bridge. I've got an image of one, Adam. And we, 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 the invitation is to receive that, isn't it? To receive the prophetic word as a creative thing, that we become that bridge, that we are, are that bridge. And I think through food bank and other things, we can point to positive things. So we then get to this third section, verses 17 to, to 20. So we've had... God, what do we do about those who oppose us? What do we do about who I am? And what about what I lack, right? The poor and needy search for water. There is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, we read in verse 17. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make, and then the fluids, first of all, I'll make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I'll turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. And then he says about shade, which is also very much, very important in these climates. I'll put in the desert the cedar and the acacia and the myrtle and the olive. I'll set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together, all these different trees, so that people may see and know may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. Whatever we may lack, whether we feel we lack money, we don't have enough resources, we don't have enough people, we don't have enough skills, God's, the thing does not depend on our skill, right? If it depended on that, all is lost. But it depends on the Lord. The hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. Miracles are done by people who don't look at their own lack, but who look at the abundance of God. And who don't, feel, who don't speak to themselves and tell themselves, oh, we don't have enough, we don't. But who, who have that confidence that God is able and he has the resources and he will release them. <clears throat> 